The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Welcome in. This morning, we're going to be talking about the courts and the laws and attorneys, how to maybe find the attorney that is your best match. Local attorney John Day is with us this morning. John, how are you? Fantastic, Bart. And I, I want your listeners to know that I watched you spin the, the uh, wheel, the electronic yeah. wheel for the banana pudding. And you did not put your finger on the scale for Jack no, Mitchell. I did not touch uh, it. <laughs> this was an honest election, folks. He, he did it exactly the way he was supposed to do it. So uh, it's all the theater of the mind there. <laughs> <laughs> and happy birthday to Jack. I've known Jack a long time. And oh, okay. um, it happens to be my brother's birthday as well. So I'm, Well, happy birthday to, what's his name? Michael. Michael. Michael Day, yes, yes. Happy birthday, Michael. Thank you. Uh, well, tell us, uh, this morning we're going to be talking about different things when, while we're talking about attorneys. Uh, one of the things would be factors that a lawyer considers in determining the value of a case. So uh, when, when you mention that, what is it you're talking about? Well, I'm talking uh, first, and I'm interested to talk about other things as well, but first about personal injury cases. Mm -hmm. So when... When somebody's involved in a car wreck or they're hurt in a fall down uh, type situation at a store or whatever, the law gives the people the right, uh, the people's in, person who's injured, the right to bring a claim for money damages. And the question then is, well, what is taken into account in determining what is fair? And what factors do lawyers weigh and do juries weigh in determining what is a, a fair level of compensation when those injuries are caused by somebody else's negligence? And, and that's, a, that's a very key point. Just because you get hurt doesn't mean you're entitled to get your medical bills paid for or your lost wages uh, reimbursed. Your injuries have to be result have to be uh, occur as a result of someone else's negligence. So there are some times that a case is not really court worthy. The, yes, there are some times when a case is not a case, quite frankly. It <laughs> well, is just one of those things that happens. I mean, for example, um, if you are walking down a sidewalk and you um, stumble and fall and get hurt, that's not the city of Murfreesboro's responsibility. The city of Murfreesboro can be responsible for certain injuries that occur on sidewalks, but the fact that you trip over your own feet is not one of the things that the city is responsible for. So it, it requires negligence before somebody else has the obligation to be uh, responsible for it. And by negligence, I mean the failure to act as a reasonable person would act under the same or similar circumstances. So let me get, let me give you an example. Okay. Um, as we drive down the road in a car, we have the responsibility to maintain a careful lookout ahead. We have the responsibility to stay on our side of the road. We have a responsibility to stop at red lights. 
we have the responsibility to go the speed limit unless the speed limit is too fast for the conditions, like if there's ice or it's raining hard. If we breach one of those responsibilities and injure someone as a result, we have been, uh, we will be determined to be negligent, and that negligence gives rise to the responsibility for a potential monetary payment to someone else, someone else who's been hurt. We've heard oftentimes that if you're, especially on the interstate, and the cars are going way faster than you are and passing you, and you're creating a, a hazard there in the interstate, uh, is that, and somebody runs into you, because you are not driving 85 or so, it, wh what is the situation there? Well, let me say this. I've been doing this for 41 years, and I've never seen anybody sued, nor I ever have I ever sued anybody for going too slow. <laughs> I, especially when quotation marks too slow, close quotation marks, is slower than people who are going too fast. <laughs> In other words, I, I, th I, can, I guess I could come up with a situation where somebody is going 15 miles an hour down the interstate at night with no lights on and they get rear-ended. I can see where that could give rise to negligence on the part of that slow driver driving without lights on. But if you're headed home from uh, work in Antioch and you're coming back to Murfreesboro and it's rush hour traffic, you are not going to, and, and you there's a wreck, you're not going to be sued for going the uh, 65 or 75 mi 70 miles an hour on the interstate if that's the posted speed limit, even though everybody else is going 85. All right. Well, we have a phone call here. Let's take that. Good morning. You're on with John Day. How are you today? Good morning. Fine. Uh, I got a question to ask him. How much does it cost to probate your place after you're gone? How, to probate your place? Do you mean Pro your, your property? Your uh -huh. property? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're first of all, let me say this: I am not a, um, a lawyer who works in the trusts and estates area. Uh -huh. uh, Jack Mitchell's law firm, I think, does some of that. <laughs> Maybe you would want to give them a call. But it's the property does not real property that is land in in things on land do not ordinarily go into an estate after the owner dies. Property passes or is transferred outside of the estate. Okay? But okay. you do need, it's helpful to have a lawyer do the paperwork to get the property from the name of the person who's now deceased and put it into the proper owner. Okay? Okay. okay. So what does it cost? It costs... Assuming it's very straightforward, it costs the uh, the the amount it uh, 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 that it takes to prepare a deed and to file that paper with the courthouse. It's relatively inexpensive, and quite frankly, it saves a whole lot of time and money to do it in the days and weeks after the property owner dies, rather than waiting ten or fifteen years and having bad things happen. Oh yeah. Well, somebody said it would cost four thousand dollars. Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know, you know. It, it, you know. Uh, as I said before, I don't do that type of work, but I will say this. 
I can't imagine how it would cost $4,000 if it is clear about who that property is to go to after the property owner's death. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so that sort of solves my problem because I mean, I know where we're going to let that property go to. They made the will and everything, you know. And so I mean, you know, it's just a, yeah. If there's so. if the the will makes it clear where that property goes, it's simply the cost of drawing up a deed that transfers the property from the name of the deceased person to the names of the new owners. Yeah, okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, Th I think that's all solves my problem. Thank okay, you for calling, thank you ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too, ma'am. And if you have any questions, give us a shout. 615-893-1450. I think people are just confused sometimes with the law, and, and I can certainly see why they would be. Uh, you've studied this all your life, and, and it continues to change. Well, not only does it change, but there's so much of it. I mean, Bart, I was talking yesterday with a 75-year-old lawyer from New Hampshire, and he, uh, he just finished a five-week trial. And he said, uh, I said, well, how did it go? And we were talking about it. And finally, he says, John, I'm at the stage of my life where I don't think I know any law anymore. And I said, I feel the exact same way. And what he meant by that and what I mean by that is that when you come out of law school, you think you know everything. <laughs> uh, in the following five years, you realize how much you don't know, but then you start to gain some knowledge. And when you're 30 or 35, you start to feel comfortable about what you know. And then you realize there are several layers of knowledge <laughs> of substance that you hadn't even thought of before. <laughs> and, and it's like most things. The more you know, the less you know. And uh, I do st still sometimes struggle with the ideas. There's so much out there that I don't know. And I'm one of these people, I have to confess, uh, I'm a law nerd. I mean, I love it. I, uh, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about it. I spend a lot of time reading it. I spend time teaching other lawyers about law. I write books about law, but I still struggle with how much more there is to know. Now, while we're talking about this, the election that just ended had, I think it was uh, several constitutional amendments on that. Four. Are, four. Okay, will those impact? Th those are the law, aren't they? Those will become changes in the law. Those, yeah, those are, are uh, our, our Constitution uh, now has four additional provisions on it that did not exist before. So they become the law. Will any of those changes have any practical significance on the lives of the ordinary Tennessean on a daily basis? The answer to that question is no. They were relatively, I won't say they're minor. Anytime you change the Constitution, it's important. But, for instance, one of the um, constitutional amendments had to do with making sure that slavery was abolished. <laughs> okay, well... We took care of that about 170 years ago, <laughs> and 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 so it's nice to see that the Constitution is clear that we don't permit slavery in the state of Tennessee. But quite frankly, um, it's correct. The correction is good, but it's it's a technicality. 
important, but still, it's not going to impact the law, uh, the daily affairs of Tennesseans tomorrow. Good morning. You're on WGNS with John Day. Yes, I'd like to ask a question about land lease. If somebody writes you a check for $500 to lease your land for a year, do they include everything on the land, your house and everything? Well, it depends what the agreement was. Well, it wasn't no agreement. He just wrote him a check for $500 for land lease. Well... So you don't have a written agreement, is that right? No. Well, I'm, I'm once again, I'm not a real estate lawyer, and I can't comment on that specifically, but I would say this, that most agreements concerning real property, that is land, have uh-huh. to be in writing to be enforceable. And, and if... I guess I would need to know more facts, ma'am. But I, I will, will, will tell you that I can't. I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. You, I, you I don't to want to give you. But that, that's if if somebody reached an agreement with you to lease your land for five hundred bucks, and you thought you were leasing only the right to access the land to go hunting, or the right to yeah. Drive across the land uh, to ex- a, a hunting, hunting lease, right? Yeah. Then and that the person who paid you that five hundred dollars now says they have the right to live in your house. Um, you, you should get you know, turn. Well, don't turn off the radio. Turn it on in your car and go see a lawyer about that because <laughs> that that would that that seems unreasonable to me. Okay, I just wonder about it. I mean, you know, he said he wrote a check, but he told him that he was just leasing part of for hunting, but, but he didn't specify on the check. He just wrote him a check for $500 and, uh, for land lease. Yeah, well, I mean, this is one of those things where it, it's, it's good to have a, a written agreements. And that doesn't mean you have to run to a lawyer for something like that. But if even if it's written on the check, land lease for hunting, <laughs> it would have made things a whole lot clearer, right? Yeah, but it didn't say that. He just told him that. Yeah, well, that's that's unfortunate. But if somebody's trying to move into the house as a result of a land lease for five hundred bucks, um, that's the sort of thing we're going to need so a lawyer's help. Unfortunately. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, ma'am. Our phone number, 615-893-1450. Put it in writing, uh, no matter what it is. Probably best to always have it in writing. Well, I, I, I learned something early on in my legal career, and quite frankly, it upset some of my fellow lawyers that I was working opposite of. And I would send a written note, or I would later send an email confirming a conversation and the, the tradition in, among lawyers for decades has been, well, we can have a, a gentleman's agreement. We can, we're professionals. We can, our word is our bond, right? And the reason I did it is not because I didn't trust the person I was dealing with. I didn't trust myself. In other words, I, I know that I can have an innocent misrecollection of something, right? Or heaven forbid, I could get hit by a bus, and then, therefore, then what is my agreement, right? And so I just made it a habit to try to 
sent a confirmation of any substantive conversation uh, and make it a written record. And that way, everybody couldn't make a mistake about what they were, an honest mistake. We're all capable of it. There couldn't be an honest mistake. Or at I, I least we'd reduce the practice. likelihood, you know? It's a good habit to have. Well, it doesn't take long. Like I said, I don't think everybody needs to have their own lawyer follow them around every single day. And when they go to the grocery store, that they need to have the lawyer confirm that they're getting the rice price on every good they buy. That's you know That sort of thing is crazy. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm saying that a little bit of paperwork, even informal, goes a long way of preventing innocent uh, mistakes or misunderstandings. And, and it sounds like, hopefully, this lady had an innocent mistake happening there. Uh, what she remembered the person saying and what the person thought they were saying maybe in their minds was different. So. Yeah, that that's possible, although it, 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 and if it was $20,000, I might think more that that might give access to a house. You can't rent a room in Murfreesboro for $500, for $500 a, a month. year. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wanted a year, yeah, she said. Yeah. That doesn't work that way, right? So, uh, but but sure, and there's always there are some percentage of people out there who will take advantage of others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But more common are are mis are miscommunications that just I thought you said this, no, I said that. Four and so, words on that check would have made a di- two extra words <laughs> would have made a difference, right? And so if you put things in writing, even if it's uh, an a, email or a text to the person you're talking with it firms it up in your mind more clearly and it puts in writing what you thought or what you meant right and it and it also gives the other person the opportunity to see it and say oh no that's not what i meant and get it corrected so for many times and i'm writing with another lawyer i will say this will confirm our conversation that such and such if i've made a mistake in, in in setting forth the substance of our conversation, please let let me know, and we'll work through it. That's the these are little things that, quite frankly, I wish were taught uh, in school. Little things that can avoid a lot of misunderstandings and keep people away from lawyers. Our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. Local attorney John Day is with us this morning. So if you have a question or a comment on any of the things we've talked on this morning, 615-893-1450. When is a case a case? If you have a a case that you're thinking about uh, seeing an attorney about and you're not sure whether it's a valid case, give us a shout. 615-893-1450. You can talk or text whichever you want at that same number. We'll be right back. The Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays from 1 to 4. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant. Demas has offered gift cards that you can get in any value. You know, those times where someone gives you gifts, you weren't really prepared. It's one of those things that's nice and easy to hand back out. 
but they're amazing gifts for teachers, for family and friends, and we always offer specials depending on how many gift cards that you get as well. You can go straight down to the restaurant, and our cashiers are happy to help you with any of those gift cards. Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hello, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. All of us at Animal City would like to say thank you to the Murfreesboro and surrounding communities for supporting this family-owned business for 32 years. When you come see us, make sure to check out our two full floors full of great pets and supplies to keep them happy and healthy. Animal City, for your dog, cat, reptile, bird, and much, much more. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. The sunrise puffs up above the horizon. So glad to see you today. I'm Amy Watson. And I'm Ben Hill. Welcome to News Channel 5 this morning. Time to fill your day with something more than a routine. This is Sky 5 Live as uh, every day there's a brand new skyscraper <laughs> going up. This is where we connect. Come on, y'all. We are alive. We are well. We Laugh. <laughs> see the beauty of the morning. When you look out this morning in that sunrise, you get the prettiest picture. Uh, News Channel 5 helps you out the Traffic door. Traffic anchor Rebecca joins us now with the latest. The good news is there are pretty easy alternate routes. With something more than news, weather, and traffic. News Channel 5's Nick Barris is in our Good News Alert Center this morning. <laughs> Take a good look girl. right there at this dog. Yes, it's something to lift your spirits. Wow. If that doesn't get you going, then we need to have a chit-chat. Ben, Amy, Leland, Nikki D, Rebecca, and Nick. We are here to get you yeah. revved up and going. A better day. It's Wednesday. It is day. Starts this morning. News Channel 5 this morning. Good morning. Still some heavy traffic coming out of Rutherford County on 24 westbound and through the Hickory Hollow area. Stop and go on here in certain sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Just busy pretty much in the normal spots for this time of the morning. Some radar 840 just past Sulphur Springs. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee. Check them out online at nashpainting.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Partial sunshine develops this afternoon with a high in the mid-70s. East winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, chance for showers and storms alone near 59. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 47. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Talk or text, whichever you prefer. 615-893-1450. And people may not realize, but uh, you do a lot of work in training other lawyers, bringing other lawyers up to date on changes in your business, and your business changes very quickly. Uh, you've just recently been involved in one of those moving around seminars. Yes, uh, I, I've been fortunate to uh, be asked to speak um, 
since about, I guess my first speech was in Memphis in 1985 or 1986. And since then, I've given over 400 um, speeches to lawyers in 16 states and a couple countries about various aspects of law. Usually I talk about what I do every day, which is personal injury and wrongful death law. I also include some civil procedure, which is the court's rules for how cases move through the court system. I talk sometimes about law office management, but the vast, vast majority is the law of personal injury and the law of wrongful death. I also own a seminar company with a require, uh, retired Tennessee Supreme Court uh, justice and a retired Tennessee Court of Criminal Appeals judge. And we go across the state and speak to lawyers about how the law has changed in the previous year. So I'll be in uh, Knoxville in December, Memphis in later in December, bringing lawyers up to date on changes of the law. Now, when a lawyer attends one of these, do they get credits? Are there, do they have to have so many credits per year or per, you know, right. how, how does that work? Every lawyer is required to have 15 continuing legal education credits, three of which must deal with ethics and professionalism every single year. There's an exemption for lawyers of a certain age and there's other ways that you can earn credits toward continuing education rather than attending a seminar or watching one on a computer. But since I think it was the late 80s, uh, every lawyer in Tennessee needs 15 credits per year. Now, if you become a judge along the way, you're still a lawyer, uh, and I guess you have to keep that license to date, uh, do the judges, are they required to you know, get credits? My memory is that judges are required to get credits, although it's possible I'm wrong on that, but I do have judges attend the seminar programs. <laughs> and I mean, It looks like they would need the being yeah. updated just as much as the law. Oh, yes, and I will tell you that the Tennessee Judicial Conference, which is all of the trial court level judge, all of the court of appeals level judges, and the Supreme Court, it's called the Tennessee Judicial Conference, has seminar programs twice a year. No, I think it's three times a year. Once in the spring, once in the summer, once in the fall, where they meet and they have continuing legal education for judges at uh, their programs. And they do, I, I, I will tell you, one of the things that Tennessee does very, very well is help keep its judges up to date on changes in the law. I mean, you saw before, we've had two callers call in and ask me about real a real estate question. And I hope that I made it clear that I don't know a whole heck of a lot about such things. But in, in except in a few major cities where judges are permitted to specialize, uh, in m most of the judicial circuits across the state of Tennessee, Judges need to know about multiple areas of the law. A judge may hear a, a family law matter at 9 o'clock, a real estate question at 9.30, a personal injury question at 10 o'clock, a boundary line dispute at 10. I mean, they literally have to know lots and lots of 
different areas of the law. And then criminal matters in the afternoon. I mean, it's just a wide area of law that they are expected to know and apply. So I think our judicial conference does a wonderful job educating judges about how the law is changing and therefore how they can do their jobs in a better and more efficient way. It's it's impressive. Now, we add, with every General Assembly almost, we add uh, more laws. Uh, don't always take others away. So this thing... <laughs> we rarely big. take laws away. It's big. <laughs> it's, it is very big, and it's more and more complicated. I think, and I don't mean to get too philosophical here, but I think sometimes we all forget how hard it is to express the law in words. <laughs> I mean, let me give one example that I think should drive this home to anybody who's ever read the Bible. Thou shalt not kill is one translation, right, of of uh, of that section of the Bible. Thou shalt not kill. Simple enough, right? Thou shalt not kill. Does that mean there should not be a death penalty? <laughs> All right? I mean, it. so many, many people think that there is there's appropriate circumstances under which there should be a death penalty. But that's inconsistent with the meaning of those words as commonly understood. And I use that example because it helps illustrate in a way that most people can readily understand how hard it is to communicate in at least the English language, and I can't speak for any other because I'm still struggling with English, right? How hard it is to communicate what is forbidden and what is acceptable. And so the laws will always constantly have to be tweaked because every, despite everybody's conscious good faith effort to put down in writing what the law is, at some point, under some facts, reasonable people can disagree on what those words mean or what they were intended to say. It's, and that's just... It's the nature of humans, and it's one. Of, it's the nature of our language. It is not two plus two equals four. Nobody can disagree with that. That will always, always be true. But thou shalt not kill is subject to reasonable debate by reasonable people, and this is going to be expanded yeah. on. I think right by 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 people who care about those issues and what about this what about that what about this that's just the way it is we have a text here from a listener that sort of fits in with that and they're saying uh, have you ever had a case that you pretty well felt at the beginning that this person was guilty but you still took the case and if so uh, how did you feel during the the case well, what I think the person who texted in is referring to is a criminal case where okay. Okay. And this is the question that is asked of lots and lots of lawyers who do criminal defense work. You know, how can you represent somebody you think is guilty or who maybe told you that they were guilty? And I'm not a criminal defense lawyer, but I can I can answer this question in this way. I asked my dad the same question. 
60 years ago. So he, he did criminal. <laughs> My dad was a criminal defense lawyer, and he represented citizens accused of crime. And sometimes it was obvious to me as a, a young, as a child or a young adult that these people were probably guilty. And I said, Dad, how can you do that? And what he told me and what I believe most criminal defense lawyers would say in answer to that question is this. The law requires that when the government charges a person with a crime, the government has to prove that case beyond a reasonable doubt. And the person charged with the crime does not have to testify and defend themselves in, by testifying. Therefore, the job of a criminal defense lawyer is to put the state or the government to that burden and let them prove without the help of anything that the person charged with the crime is going to say on the witness stand, put them to that test. And I think the reasonable defense lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, would say that that keeping that burden on the government and having a lawyer who ethically but zealously advocates for a person charged with crime helps keep the government honest when they're bringing charges and gives rise to overall a better society. Does it occasionally mean that a person who is quotation marks guilty, close quotation marks of a crime, gets off, is not convicted? Yes, it does. <laughs> But does it help keep the system honest? I, I think so. And I will say this. I think the vast majority of prosecutors who work for the government would agree that it is perfectly appropriate for a criminal defense lawyer to do what they do every single day and say to the government, all right, let's see if we can work this out. And if we, if we can't work it out, government, prove it. Let's take another call. Good morning. You're on with John Day. How are you today? I'm close, and you guys are hitting on something. What do you and your guests, let me tell you something, and to your listening audience, I've been watching television quite a few years, and I want to listen to audience know this. I tell you all some one show, it's called Perry Mason, and back in the old days, we didn't have a television, we went down to our friend's house and watched TV, but I'm telling people of today, Watch Perry Mason because that show is really true. The law haven't changed, have it, sir? A lot of the laws that are discussed in that show have not changed. That's correct. Yes, sir. And I told a lot of my friends. I be telling them nowadays in church and everywhere I go. That's a good. That's a great show. I didn't think it had. I agree with you that the Perry Mason show is a fascinating uh, yes, depiction, sir. and it's uh, I think it is. a lot of lot of interesting. I will also tell you, just to be a hundred percent candid, that there's a lot of aha moments in the Perry Mason show that don't necessarily exist in courtrooms every day. Uh, there's a lot more going on there that is uh, uh, shocking or surprising than there is in the average. Uh, court trial, but it's still an interesting uh, show to watch. Amen, sir. And I, t I advise everybody: you might ought to look at the show. And, and I mean, it's it just we, we was young then, but I'm, I just couldn't believe it. Take time, and then just—it's unbelievable that I'm talking about back in the late fifties and sixties that television was that deep. I really appreciate you, but I'm gonna be calling more often, people. But that, <laughs> take time and watch that show. <laughs> Thank you for calling. 
That's a good point. You know, that is a interesting technique that Perry Mason and some of the other uh, dramas on TV that have lawyers, they always, at the very last, come back with with an aha moment almost. It's, I, I guess that's the drama of the courtroom. Well, that that's right. And but and there are aha moments. Okay, in in court, there there truly are. But in the civil courts, where I work, not the criminal courts, but the civil courts, there are few or relatively few aha moments because everybody is required to exchange information before you get to court, and you have, and that's true at the criminal courts too. But there's, it's different. There's, it's 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 not the same. There's less information or less types of information exchange. But in the civil courts, you pretty much know going in what people are likely to say. Now, do people come into court? <coughs> excuse me. Do people come into court and say something in court that is inconsistent with what they said before? Yes. And does that give rise to aha moments? It certainly done does. And is that fun? It's fantastic. <laughs> Cross-examination is a wonderful tool to get at the truth. And I, I just, I, I'd like every listener to think about this. I stopped watching Sunday morning talk shows over 25 years ago, but I'm sure nothing has changed because the people who were the hosts of those shows would ask some politician a question, and the politician would a answer a different question, and the host never pushed the politician to answer, or the host wouldn't confront that politician with an in prior inconsistent statement that politician had made. And I used to say, give me 10 minutes with some of those people and a judge who would make those politicians answer the questions and the, the folks would get more likely to hear the truth. That's the advantage of a courtroom is that Lawyers for each party get the opportunity to probe the witnesses on facts, and you've got a judge there who is neutral, who makes people answer the questions. And it is fun as a lawyer, and I think it's good for the system when it works that way. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause and check on the traffic and weather. We'll be back on the final segment, so if you have a question or a comment, don't wait any longer. 615-893-1450. We'll see you. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local, you want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett, it's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. Let's learn about Adams Place, the area's premier senior living center. We're talking with Terry Deal. So a lot of times when individuals come to me to talk about making a move into a, a community like Adams Place, seasonal changes can really bring that to the forefront of the decision making. So what happens is new potential residents get tired of taking care of their yards. 
Uh, if I can get rid of weeding the garden or mowing the lawn, those types of things, it's a really good opportunity to make a move into a community where we have staff for that and allow you to still have the beautifully manicured lawn, but it's no longer your responsibility to take care of it. Adams Place has services for every need. Does that make it easier for people to decide, Adams Place is for me? Absolutely. So with Adams Place being a continuing care retirement community, the intent there is that there's a natural progression for a resident to be able to move from one level of care to the next level of care as their individual needs dictate. This is Terry Deal. Would like to invite you to come visit with us at Adams Place. Just give us a call, 615-904-9111. We'd love to show you around our beautiful community. Hi, this is Hannah Fox of the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come shop with us for all your Christmas gift needs. We have wonderful gift ideas in our gift department. and We have a great selection of Carhartt clothing and other fashion clothes. We also, in our pet and bird section, have everything you need for your feathered and furry friends. Come see us at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. You won't believe what you'll find at the Co-op. 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. The Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us. This is Charlie Pitts, Murfreesboro Singing Barber. I want to start this thing off by getting everyone that's got a business to lower the prices. Come on over to my shop. I'll give you $5 off all the services that we got. We need to do all we can to get the prices down for each other. And everybody all over has got real high prices, and we need to lower them. Come on over to my shop. I'll give you $5 off all the services that we got. I'm Charlie Pitts Barber. I'm at 2528 Las Casas Pike. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Partial sunshine develops this afternoon with a high in the mid-70s. East winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, chance for showers and storms alone near 59. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 47. Join me, America's career coach Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. Welcome back. John Day, local attorney, is with us this morning. John, we have a text here from a listener who says, I don't know if this is a workable case or not, but it happened about six months ago. We were shopping, and the person in the aisle away from us was trying to get something off the top shelf at the grocery store, and evidently that knocked over the items that were on our roll. And my daughter was hit by several cans. Uh, We were worried, uh, took her to the doctor, didn't have any immediate problems, but uh, we've since had some issues. Uh, Is this something that we should work on? Is this a workable case? 
Well, let me let me start at what may appear to be the end and say this, because it'll help everybody, regardless of every fact situation. That is, under the law, there's you have one year to take legal action in a case like that. One year. So the caller uh, or the text message person indicates that uh, this happened six months ago. So half of that time is already gone. Now, there's certain circumstances under which you get a little extra time for minors and things like that. But people shouldn't rely on any of that without talking to a lawyer. They should assume that you have one year to take legal action. So... Is that now, one year before you file? Filing something is Yeah, filing legal something action. in court is legal action. Um, it, there's one exception to that, but think about having to file papers to stop time from running, and, and that must be done usually by filing something in court. And, uh, and it's one year from the date of the injury, usually. It's like everything else, words. We were talking about it before the break. <laughs> it's more complicated than that, but that's a safe thing to keep in mind. So if you have around six months right now, don't waste any time. Don't waste time because any sort of lawyer is going to have to investigate it and try to figure out the merits of the case and, and, to, and the merits of any claim of injury. So that takes some time. And if you want to get it worked out with the store, you need some time after getting the information to negotiate. So let's go back to the, what the person who sent in the text said. <clears throat> there are circumstances under which stores have been held responsible for not having items properly secured on their shelves okay so where it gets complicated is if the reason the items fell from one shelf and hit a customer is the actions of another customer on another aisle <laughs> so is it that customer's fault or is it the store's fault and or is it both of their fault in some way? And, and that sort of depends on the circumstances. It's hard to answer that in the abstract. And, and so this is what lawyers who are trained in doing personal injury work do. They try to gather facts. Um, so it would be important here to know, for instance, well, how were the items stacked that the customer in the other aisle were looking for, was trying to get a hold of? And was there any barrier between the aisles so that if items fell on one side of an aisle, that it didn't knock over items on the, uh, into the other aisle? And how were items stacked on the aisle where the person was injured? Right, and had this ever happened before, all these would be relevant facts to take into account. And then the nature of the injury, if there was no immediate sign of injury, other than I'm sure some tears, um, what did the doctors, uh, if, how did they evaluate the situation? And then how long did it take for some sort of injury to become apparent and what is the nature of that injury and how does it affect the person who was injured life so not all injuries manifest themselves immediately 
it is not uncommon for people who are in a car wreck who get rear-ended not to feel anything until the day after or two days later uh, because adrenaline sort of overtakes the body's response to it and muscles don't begin to tighten up. But that, the devil's in the details in that. And that this, this person who sent in the test message should, shouldn't hesitate to talk to an experienced personal injury lawyer let him or her get all the facts and then make a judgment about whether or not it's something that can be uh, be pursued. A personal injury lawyer. That's right. the type they need. A personal injury lawyer. And, and let me say this, too. Most of us who do personal injury work will talk to somebody for, at no charge. You know, you don't have to worry about spending 100 bucks by getting on the phone and, and talking with a lawyer. Most of us will do it at no charge and give, you know, the people our thoughts. Very good. We have folks on the phone, we have more text messages, and we are flat out of time. No! Yes, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, that's why we encourage you, call early so that this doesn't happen. John Day, local attorney, our guest today. John, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy this. Have a great day. You too.